Okay. So last week we talked about the uh, basically about the eight Sahara. That from the Ramchal, what you see is that the eight Sahara fundamentally, <coughs> the eight Sahara fundamentally is um, is the the, um, the bodily urges and, and uh, the urges and drives. We see that this is what the eight Sahara is. <clears throat> and I, like I mentioned, you know, the Chazal trying to destroy the Eight Sahara, and as a result, many many things which are obviously critical, like reproduction, stopped. So you see clearly that the manifestation of the Eight Sahara <coughs> clearly is the urges, the physical urges that a person has, and uh, therefore, and then therefore now we understand what 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 the Chazal mean when it says uh, 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 that. Um, you should serve God with two Yitzrecha. You know, because it says Yitzre Odom or something like that. I forgot the exact person. And it says two Yud. So the, the uh, so we learn, I think, from there that you're supposed to serve the Rodeshman with the Yitzre How can you serve him with the Yitzre You know what I'm saying? So the concept of serving the Rodeshman with the Yitzre So if we know that it is the urges, of the physical urges, so therefore, you're supposed to direct those physical urges in the proper channels, which is in the direction of mitzvahs, and so on, you know, uh, rather than uh, promotion of self, ego aggrandizement, or, or you know, uh, self-fulfillment for purely uh, one's own uh, desires and so on. So therefore, we understand what the eight are is, the question, however, is what's the Eitzah Tov? That's the question, you know. Uh, we find the Eitzah Horror referred to as a Malach. You know. So we could, you could actually say that the, the origin of physical urges is a Malach in that sense. But you don't find that the Eitzah Tov is referred to as a Malach. Not only that, but what's interesting is that it says that the Eitzah Horror comes in before a child is born. Was the eight toiv enters when he is twelve years old for a man? Uh, excuse me, for a woman, twelve years old for a man. So the question: What in the world enters at that age that we could consider this the eight toiv? You know what I'm saying? What we realize is that something that doesn't happen at birth it happens only after a certain developmental stage. You know, we can call that puberty. We can all call that the beginning of the teenage years. Or adolescence. So the question is, what begins <coughs> in adolescence uh, that we could identify as the age of time? We can say that we can't relate to Malachim. We don't know what they are. Yeah. But so, know, what's trying to on Malachism is the age of heart. It has no relationship to us. It's a well, well, you could say that the force, <coughs> the force. That the physical, physical body has. Its origin is initiated by a malach. Is a bria that is in charge that is in charge of pushing that force at us. Yes, that's what we said. Yeah, he's mamuna. He, what he is, we don't know. What, how he, he's a malach, but he certainly is a point. We do know what the force designated. Yeah, yeah. Those are the physical urges, you know. But the real question, as I asked, is what is the age of time? You know, and we have several <coughs> characteristics that it enters a person when he's 12 or 13. 
You know, and that's fundamentally, by the way, why you're not chayev. It's not just because there's a lack of intelligence. It's because there's an inequality in drives. If there's no yetzah toiv, and just a yetzah horror, right? So how could you be chayev? How could you be obligated? Or guilty? No, obviously. So therefore, what we see is that the reason for the yetz, the, for the, uh, what do you call it, uh, guilt, is if you have a yetzah toiv. But yetzah toiv only comes in when you're 13, for a man, 12, for a woman, and so on. So the question is, which we have to ask ourselves, what developmentally occurs at that age that we can identify as the Yetzir Toiv? So, you see what I'm saying? You understand the question? You're saying it's a Koyach from a Malach. No, a no, you don't find Yetzir Toiv referred to as a Malach. Whereas you do find Yetzir Hora okay. as the Sultan, sure. The Sultan is the Yetzir Hora. no Malach in Yetzir Toiv. No. Why is it that means Yetzir Toiv is something that comes straight from the Rebbein well, everything comes from the version. That's not. I'm not so worried about what the origin is. I'm really wonder, wondering what is it. What is it? What the origin is obviously the version, you know, and so on. But the, you know, I can understand some physical urges come when you're born, even an infant, right? There are all kinds of physical urges. Mm. But what in the world shows up? Teenager. This is the question. So the question is what? It clearly it's a developmental issue. What is it? What we Very said, important to understand. Well, basically, we said that seichel is the pursuit of amos, of reality. Yes. Yeah. So, wouldn't that be the any moneya, the yitzhak, any moneya from that pursuit of reality? Well, what, what, well, what interfere? Well, what, forget that for a minute. It's just, it's, okay, you know, so I, I said that from the Ronchal, you see, because he talks about the neshama and the, and the seichel, so I, I said that the seichel fundamentally is, is the intellect that pursues knowledge, reality, you know, so that uh, would be, but, but the, the problem with that is that, you know, kids also have seichel, they also, have a, they also pursue knowledge, children, but they don't have a yetzah toif. Clearly the yetzah toif cannot be solely the pursuit of knowledge, or the pursuit of reality. It, it's, using, it's using the intellect as an instrument, but... There has to be something else. Yeah, intellect obviously is part of it, but it, yeah. because we see clearly that the Yetzir Toiv is a developmental idea, that something develops at 13 that was not yet before that, basically at 13, you know, what? and so on. So that, this is the question. Why is the Yetzir called Ra if part of if some part of his job involves doing things that's a mitzvah to do? I understand that... Because... Like, because... If you feel an urge or a drive, right? You want to you want to cater to that drive. Well, myself, and it's not because drive. the Bosch said, "Well, you're, if you're hungry, you know, so eat kosher food." Hey, I'm hungry. I want to eat. You know, I just passed a great restaurant in Manhattan. You know, well, let's and say kosher person sits down to his bread. What? Let's, say, let's, let's, let's take it sadish. <laughs> his, his bread, right? Yeah. He has to eat his bread because otherwise he'll die. Yes. But he still he is hungry for the bread. Yes. So he has to at least do whatever he can that he's able to. Let's say he's able. To, he's working okay. himself to the point where he can be satisfied with bread. Yes. So why is that raw if he's hungry for the bread? No, the, the the fact of the drive is not evil, but it's to to use it for one's own purpose as opposed to doing it for the sake of the, the same. The, but that's our choice to make it raw. 
But the mountain yeah. itself is not rock. No, the, the thing, the etz, that's why you can use the Eitzahara also for... Uh, so why do we God. primarily call that's him exactly the Eitzahara? So why, why do we primarily call him the Eitzahara if, if it's that's really a That's a good question. Us. I would imagine because uh, it's He's something wrong. which... Wait, but he tries to make it rock. No, but there is a the Eitzahara that's making you dry. But yeah. he makes right. you do things that... that but but he, he makes you do things that you need to do anyway. Right. But he uses that incident also to make you do rough. The earthly thing that have a physical drive, he uses that for also for rough, not just for the basics. So, so what Rebbe is saying is that he... You know, it's in a Hanami, a person's chayv to eat, to sustain himself, but the Yitzhar doesn't just stop there. He wants to push the whole gamut to make you eat a steak. Well, yeah, you know, to eat the steak, eat it, even if it's not kosher. Right. Eat it any way you want. You know what I'm saying? Eat, because I want to eat, I'm hungry. I'm not it's like, you know, by Esav, you know? <coughs> he, he, he ate, with, you know, by Esav and by Yechel, and, you know, just got up and left and so on. You know, it was, it was a, his fulfillment of his needs or drives, was to, he was totally immersed in terms of self. There was no recognition whatsoever that this is from the Bernishman and that we have to thank him and so on. So, the, so you so said it's like in economy the drive is raw, but you're allowed, you're hired to do that enough to sustain no, yourself. No, the drive is not, the, the, the etzim drive is physical. But if you use it <clears throat> in a certain manner, right, you take, then it's called raw. Who's making the drive? Well, Who's making the drive? The, 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 the physical urges of the brain. So what's the, where's the etzim coming? What? Where's the smalach coming? The malach comes in to convince you to eat whatever you want. So the drive itself is really from the body and not from the mouth. Well, yeah, that's what it apparently is. No, there's a, there's a drive that you have and the mouth races you on to do it for the Isser. Do it in the bedroom. You do it in the bedroom, that's right, yeah. 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 Um, so, in any what, case, so then what's primarily the drive? The drive comes from the body. Well, the, yeah, it's a physical okay. urge, yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing is that when they killed the eight Sahara in the Gomorrah Nyoimo, when they killed it, so then chickens stopped laying eggs. You know, all of a sudden they wanted to kill the, the Yetzirah for Zimo. I mean, uh, for, in, uh, for Zora. So they killed it, and all of a sudden, Zimo no reproduction, and everything stopped, you know. And the chicken didn't lay eggs. The Yetzirah for Zimo, they killed it. No, for Zora. They killed it. No, they one, killed it. And then they wanted oh, then, yeah, to that's right, that yeah. Was it. That's right, yeah. yeah. But they, you know, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, no, no reproduction. So, why, how so could that be clearly that drive, that drive is a normal physical drive, you know. So, uh, why are people not interested then? Well, well, with that drive, people do Isurim, you know, other women and so on and so forth. So the drive you know? itself is not strong enough to do any, I mean, the chickens didn't lay eggs, they don't have a Yitzhahara. No, but the urge to reproduce is a physical urge. The drive, the drive away, this was the drive. Away. Exactly what you were saying. They took the drive away. Separate things. Yeah. The, so the, yeah, but there are questions. There are questions you can ask them that tomorrow. You know, Chazal didn't know that if they killed the eight Sahara for Uznus, that it would affect the urge to reproduce altogether. I mean, laying eggs is part of the reproduction process and so on, you know. You know. Anyway, okay, look, whatever the tomorrow is, you know. But I want to get back to the original question of the eight Sahara. What is it? And the answer to that question lies in another question. What is the difference between a child and an adult? Because that's really what we want to analyze. What's the difference between a child and an adult? Responsibility. Responsibility? Being part of the cloud. I, there are a lot of kids that have responsibilities. More, there are a lot of kids that have responsibilities. Right? 
A lot of kids that have responsibilities. So it can't be, it can't be responsibility. It can't be. A lot of people that have responsibilities, kids have responsibilities. You know, they got to get up in the morning, got to go to school, you know, they do it. So they, that, that answer is, would not be correct. Part of uh, part of society. I mean, being an integral, integral part, part of society. I mean, uh, you're part of the minion now. You're you're, you're <coughs> no no, but no. That has to be something far more basic. That's the question. What's the difference between a kid, child, <coughs> and an adult, or even a teenager? Because we're really saying the of starts when you're a teenager. So the question is, what's the difference between a teenager and adolescent and a child? That's the real question. Have I got that question? Remember, clearly it's developmental. It has to be, because it enters only a certain age. What does maturity mean? There's another question. What does it mean to be mature? <coughs> you say, well, this, this guy is very immature. Which, by the way, many adults are very immature. Or when you say this child is very immature, what's that mean, really? He takes things seriously. His mind is then advancing with his age. No, no. What does he take seriously? Takes life seriously. Takes life seriously. Right? Life? Let's be more general. What does he take seriously, really? I mean, life is certain. Who? Christ in this world. <coughs> Responsibility. No. Well, it, it's on the way. I, I mean, it's on the way, but... Didn't Rebbe it's, it's said one time that the uh, developmentally... Let me tell you what it is. You guys are not going to get it. <laughs> I mean, we can wait around for another hour here, but it's not going to happen. You know what it is? And, and by the way, this causes a lot of problems for teenagers. It's not intellect. It's not the ability to know reality. And kids are 10 years old, they do you know, a lot, of kids, a lot of kids, 10, 11 years old, you know, they run circles around their parents. I'm sure, you know, if you guys have kids, you know, you know yeah, kids are bright kids and they run circles around their parents. They know how to manipulate their parents. You know, it takes Hochman for that, right? Okay. You know what it is? What is maturity? Maturity is the desire to conform with reality. That's what it means. In other words, all of a sudden, you know, a child can suspend reality. What's that called? Play. Delusion. Yeah. No, it's not a delusion because they're not sick. Right. It's about mental like that, right? A child can suspend reality. It plays. You know, let's play uh, doctor. Other kids play, right? And they get into it. You know, you'd find it hard to do that. You'd find it hard to get. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, but a, a child can get into you know play, make believe, all this kind of stuff. You know, you know, uh, you know fairy tales. You know all this kind of stuff. Why? A child knows. Does a child not know it's a fairy tale, or that it's make believe and all that? Yeah, they, they don't. You know, but. There's no such thing as reality, but who cares? You know, I get involved in a non-reality 
situation. But maturity is where a guy says, what's the reality? The reality is I have what? I have responsibility. I have an obligation. Right? Oh, I gotta take this seriously. All of a sudden, there's a desire to conform to reality. And that's why there's so many problems with teenagers. Why? Because all of a sudden a teenager, what's the essential thing a teenager is grappling with? Who am I? Self-identity. All of a sudden they say, well, who am I really? You know, what is the reality about me? What's important? That's all of a sudden they begin to search values. What's important, what's not important, you know? What are the responsibilities? And so on, you know? And all of a sudden they awaken. It's mamash like a hisairus. They awaken to what? To the world. That's why there's a search to know. Who am I? <coughs> who are you? What's out there? What's important? And not only that, there's a tremendous desire to be independent. Because they have this, this tremendous uh, conflict. Dependence versus independence. They want to be dependent on their parents. But at the same time, they want to be independent. They want to conform and live in <coughs> reality. Life is part of that reality. No question about that. But it's a desire to, be, to conform to reality. We call that maturity. When a person is mature, what does that mean? It means that he's not going to play, he's not going to make believe all of a sudden there's no reality there. You can rely on him that he will meet his responsibilities and obligations. Why? Because he takes it seriously. He wants to conform his life, his behavior to the real world. There's no idea, no concept of play. Yeah, an adult can make believe like a girl. You know, there are plenty of adults that go to Disney World. You know, that's a whole make-believe world, you know? Yeah, they know it's make-believe, and, you know, they go, it's, you know, it's, yeah. and a, a, an adult can suspend his interaction, you know, with the real world, but he knows it's, it's you know, he doesn't have this, it's not because all of a sudden he wants to suspend reality because, and you know, and, and not live up to what reality is, you know? That's the attitude. It's not only the intellect that wants to seek truth or reality. The Yetzirah is I want to accommodate or conform to reality. Serious. I mean, in a certain way, what you said, serious. They take life seriously. Almost. Is they take reality seriously. Where does that, so where does that come from? Yetzirah. It's a developmental mm -hmm. issue. Developmental. All of a sudden, something snaps. That's the difference between a teenager and a child. It's not a mouth. Well, no, it's not. No, because no. Yates <coughs> a Because Yates is much greater than a Malach. But where's it coming from? It's a force. Where's it coming from? Oh, force to come from somewhere. The question is, what generates <coughs> that? You know what the answer is? Ramchal says, it's the Neshama. The Neshama is the Yates <coughs> And the Neshama wants to do two things. What is reality? <coughs> and to live in reality, to accommodate, to conform. That's an neshama. It's a drive of the soul to take reality seriously. Forget the play. So it's really the neshama versus a malach. So what are we saying? And that's what the Ramchal says. That's the concept of the neshama. The in neshama sichlis v'zaka. He says, "Gadzuchah <coughs> A person is what? Is a mixture of two opposites. Da'inu minishoma, sikhli v'zako. That's the Yetzirah Except it doesn't appear until 13. And a guf'atsi v'okor, 
which is a which is a, a derivation of a malach. That's what you did. So now when you say that you, know, you, know, you guys understand what I just said? It's not just the desire to know what reality is. That's sickly. You know, it's also I want to live with reality. See, why is that? Right? So that, because that's what the neshama does. The neshama is blocked. The neshama, in a certain sense, is connected to a physical reality. Uh, but the neshama has a drive. The greatest drive of all is what is out there and how do I conform to it? Because that's why adolescents mm-hmm. seek value. They seek identity. You know, they seek who am I? What am I? Where am I going? What's important? And so on. And they're all conflicted. You know, that's the conflict. That's the transition stage between childhood and adulthood is adolescence. But it hits them at 13 years old. And therefore that creates a tremendous amount of conflicts, doubts, problems. See? But where does this come from, Dedeshama? Because that's the automatic drive of a spiritual being. Think about it. What's the ultimate, you know, what's the ultimate drive of a spiritual being? Is reality and the desire to conform with it. Well, I don't play around here. You wake up. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, within that context, the concept of value. Well, I see what reality is. I want to conform to it. But wait a minute. What should I conform to? Which aspect of reality? That's value. Is this the important thing I should do? Or is this the important thing I should do? You see? <clears throat> value is a determination of what's... <clears throat> what, what's, um, what's the word for it? What shall I put my time into that will yield the greatest benefit to me? You see? And that's what the Yates of is. Now, once you have that, once you have this, you can actually what you can really call it is one word. You know, it's one of the greatest assets a person has. One word. It's a characteristic. You know what it's called? Conscience. Who? Conscience. No, no, that's an attribute. No, it's called a mavakesh. Bikush. Search. The greatest characteristic a person has is mavakesh to seek. A seeker is much more likely to find reality and what the correct path is than a non-seeker. <clears throat> you see. So the force is that type of that. And, and so therefore what a seeker does, a mavakesh, is it will seek what? Meaning. Meaning. Value and meaning are tied together. You know, we value that which is meaningful. You know. So therefore somebody who's a mavakesh and that koyach of bikush is the koyach of the intellect, which is a product of the neshama, because it incorporates the ability to know reality, the ability to accommodate or conform to reality, you see. So you see. And therefore, it's the search. <coughs> what you wants your person to do is, I'm going to force you to search, to look for meaning, instead of getting involved and, you know, and just putting everything aside. The problem is that can be waylaid by the Yitzhahara. They just say, you want a meaning? I'll give you a meaning. It's Las Vegas. You know? Why? Remember I told you last week what the most difficult thing of all? Is everybody take shirchad. We all, we all take shirchad. We all are bought off. By what? By our self-interest. Self-interest is the greatest destroyer of, of, uh, of, of truth. 
what it is. And that's what the Eitzahara has. You know, it wants you to be completely interested in self. What is self-interest? Taiva, pleasures, power, security, the desire for security, which is to make a lot of money, and so on. So I can have, you know, all this. <coughs> so this is what the Eitzahara wants. These, these things blind us, you see. And, and all of a sudden, well, the meaning in life is what? It's pleasure, materialism, power, security, etc. So these are self-interests. But the problem is these, these contradict or they are in conflict with truth, meaning, and the desire to conform. You see, so those are the two opposite things. You see, this is the problem. That's the classic existential problem or psychological problem, whatever it is, you know? This is, we are thrown into this. We are, the conflict is between our self-interest, which is all the bodily urges and psychological, <clears throat> the psychological and biological needs and urges on one side, and the truth and meaning and value, you see, and the desire to conform. And this goes on every waking minute of our lives. The desire to conform. Everybody got that? So therefore, that only happens when you're 13. That's when maturity hits. But that is maturity, you see, and so on. So someone like Yisri is, is, is like the greatest, because he was, he was the yeah. ultimate Mavakish. Yeah, he, exactly, yeah. Well, I don't know he's the ultimate, but he was an incredible Mavakish, yeah. Well, he searched. Because I mean, yeah, I'll was say, went through every single of the Zara. You know, that's not bad, you know. I mean, it, yeah, Klaisha was hindered on a silver platter. He had to, he had this. Well, well, I, well, who had the greatest measure of that, of maturity? Avram Avinu. Yeah, it's what he had. His incredible mind, he had it three years old, which, you know, it's incredible. He had an unbelievable characteristic called Bikush. He was not satisfied. He and he had incredible intellect, one. I mean, look what he had going <clears> for <throat> him. He had incredible mind, intellect. But it's amazing that he wanted to conform to this intellect, conform to reality. Chazal said three or forty-eight. Okay, forty-eight is rather old, and so on. But at three, you know. But he was a tremendous mavakish, and therefore, in the end, he discovered the truth that all these things are nothing more than creations, and it's not the sun isn't God. You know, these are creations. This is the handiwork of some type of incredible supreme being. You know, you know it's funny today. You know, as a, just as an aside, in the olden days, it was much harder. It was much harder to realize there's a god. Why? <coughs> Why was that? Why was that true? They lived in a very physical world. What? They lived in a very physical yes, world. Yes, that's true. How old? Olden what? days. How far? Olden days. You know, I would say three thousand years ago. Three thousand years ago. Yeah. But you know what it is, you know, what shakes up a person, and I believe it's the greatest way to have a muna. It's not used enough. The greatest way to have a muna, that there is no way, I should have that article, there's no way that there cannot be a God, a supreme being. There is no way. What's the greatest proof? And... We have it today. We had it for many, a couple hundred years already. Sophistication, you know? who? Sophistication of the Bria. Harmony, sophistication. <coughs> 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 <coughs>
<coughs> I will use a better word than that, although you are correct. <coughs> it is the incredible <coughs> complexity of the Bria. That's what you mean. And you look at things, you know, so today we know. You look at the human body, I, I can't believe this. I mean, the complexity of the human body is beyond belief. The brain, 100 billion neurons. I mean, what, what, what is this? And you're all, and, and, and the synapses, they don't touch each other even. It's like, it's unbelievable, you know? Then you just the organs, you know, you look at a plant, you look at an ant. I mean, what is this? How does a thing so tiny, it has a whole life? You know what I'm saying? Bugs, fleas, they're, they're, they're total organisms that have developed. They have digestive systems, they reproduce, like, what is this? You know, like, I, it's impossible. The complexity of the universe, or of the, of, uh, of the world and so on and so forth, is the greatest single proof of the Rebbe In fact, I, I didn't bring the article, it's very cute. There's a guy who was, a, who, who was an Oxford professor. What was his name? <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was Flea, something like that. Anyway, he was an incredible skeptic. A skeptic is a min. What a skeptic is. It's a min. You know. A nice way to say A nice way to say min. It is a pastic. He's an apicurus. He's a non-believer. He's an atheist. And he was like, he was among the chief, you know. And he preached this atheism or skepticism as it's called. You know, he was a professor in Oxford, I think, you know. And he preached this, in, you know, for years, you know. And finally, when he was 83 years old, he came to the conclusion, no, there has to be a God. It was interesting. And this guy was like one of the Rosh Hashanah major speakers that represent atheism and so on, you know. Why? Because the world is simply too complex for it to have evolved. You know, you know, the truth is there. That's what it is. The truth is there. You know. So what the Bersham did, which is interesting, but today we have much greater access because we know the complexity. In those days, 3,000 years ago, you know, what they know about the human body, really, you know? And so on. So today, it's very easy to become an incredible mimer. You know? I remember I, I once uh, watched a, a, a video of a biology course. They have videos of this, by the way, you know. Uh, and the, the guy was very good, whatever, and so on, you know. So I watched this video, and this guy was disgusting. He was describing the, <coughs> the cell. I mean, it's beyond belief. There are thousands of chemical <coughs> reactions going on in every cell, every microsecond, every second. Like, who's organizing this? Uh, you know, and then you have once, and they have all the cells, there's 100 billion cells. Excuse me, 100 trillion cells. What? What is this? It's a machine that we've never seen, you know. And it, it, and when I was watching, I said, "How can a guy be a min? It's impossible, you know. How the cell membrane allows things in and allows things out, you know. And there's like you know proteins, which is a key. A hormone has a key that fits exactly into." some aspect of the cell membrane, and all of a sudden it turns it, and then there's a whole cascade of, of, of chemical reactions that allow the cell to allow insulin. I'm telling you, it's not to be believed. And anybody made this? Uh, you know, and it's only one thing. 
you know, and so on. The whole natural world is impossible. But 3,000 years ago, they didn't have this knowledge. So it was much harder. But apparently, Dovan Amalek knew. How deep is your handiwork? What was he referring to? Think about that. You know? Somehow they were in contact with the incredible, incredible complexity of the universe, of the world. And that's of the living universe. And so on. What about the non-living universe? I once told you there are constants that are 30 digits long. It's like one point, and then there's 30 digits long. It's a constant, you know? That if it was altered by four digits at the 30th place, the universe couldn't exist. And there are six of them. Six of them. You know, for instance, the classic one is you have a nucleus, but you have what? You have protons <coughs> and neutrons. But the protons in the nucleus is positively charged. But we know that light charge is repelled. So the, the thing is, how can, the, how can any atom be stable? Because if you have, let's say, 15 protons, let's say oxygen has 8 protons, right? And then, you know, so they're all repelling each other. So the whole, there's no such thing as an, an oxygen atom cannot exist. No atom can exist. So the question is how? And the answer is that there's a force called a strong force that holds the whole nucleus together, you see. And it exactly equals, you know, the repelling... It equals, it attracts. And so that's exactly equal. Now, if one was more than the other, if the rep- and, and it's like a string of digits, 30 digits long. If you change it like from four to, you know, let's say it was, it's from four to seven or whatever, if it went down to two or up to nine, then the atom wouldn't, couldn't exist. But that's incredible. How did they figure that out? These guys, they, they got, they, they, look, they manipulate nano uh, things. That's a one billionth of a meter, uh, you know, nano. What does one billionth have to do with 30 digits? I mean, 30 digits is not more than one, that, it's more than one billionth. Yeah, but I'm just saying, though, today it's incredible what they can do. Billion, billion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a billion. Well, a thousand of billions, whatever, so, you know. Nano? Yeah, whatever. But what I'm saying is that, so the question is, and there are six of these constants. You know, the, 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 the force that, re, that breaks one, breaks the nucleus, and the force that keeps it together has to be, it has to be this kind, has to be exactly equal. That if there was a generation on the 30th place of three digits, that's absurd. And that's only one constant. Then there's the constant of the stars where, you know, the stars is, the, the, so, you know, stars, nothing more than a massive hydrogen bomb. Fusion, it's just blowing up all the time. But what, then why do stars exist? Why don't they all just blow to, blow to bits? And the answer is gravity. But that means the gravitational pull has to cancel out the desire to explode. It's exact. That's why the star can exist billions of years, so to speak, right? The sun, whatever, it's got another five billion years till it burns out, and so on and so forth, whatever. So we can be, uh, feel good, you know. Now, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. <laughs> We're gonna tell you, you know? But that constant has to equal that the gravitational pull to pull it together and the explosive pull to blow the whole thing apart has to be exact and therefore it's stable. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a dig, it's a number three digits long, and very very like five digits. It's over with, uh, you know. That's the second constant, and there are many there are many more. The classic is water. All liquids freeze and they contract. They become solid. Water is the only exception. It's incredible, you know. 
Water, as soon as it gets down to, I think, three or four degrees above zero, it expands. It doesn't contract and become ice. It expands and becomes lighter. So ice is lighter than water. As a result of that, only the top surface of a lake freezes and not the lake, which would kill all the fish. You know, and water is the only exception to the rule. Wow, are we lucky. <laughs> Thank God for chance. <laughs> And for evolution, you know, or where would we be? You know, it's like, it, you're like look, it's kind of a joke. Or the fact that the Earth is exactly 93 million miles away, right? It was a little, a little closer, we'd burn up. A little higher, a little farther away, we'd freeze to death, right? Oh no, it's exact. Well, why are we lucky? You know? Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point, basically. So, so we can easily be a mind. In those days, they didn't know the complexity of the universe. It was hard to be but the, the greatest characteristic attribute that a person can have vis-a-vis -vis religion is bikush, search. Because if you search, A, one, and you don't allow your self-interest to blind you, B, you'll find the MS. The person knows, he's not worried. That's all he had to give you. You see, the Eitzatoiv, which is the intellect plus the desire to conform to reality, you know what I'm saying? And the Eitzah Horror, which is Shechat. That's really what we're dealing with. You'll find your way, you see. It's, a, it's an interesting how the Bansha made. So we're in constant conflict, and it always works. Anyway, from the Ramchal, that's what you see. How does the person change to his Bikush uh, level? How does he change well, his Bikush level? What, what differentiates one person from another? What, what causes one person to have a higher level of Bikush? Uh, I would say the answer is meaning. Meaning is the greatest of all, it's the only, you, know, it's, you have to ask, uh, what, what's meaningful? Is it to have a life of taiva, a life of pleasure, materialism? What is meaningful? Somebody has a higher level of bikush because he's higher in shaman? No, it's a gift. You have more intelligence also. That's a gift. Meaning comes from, first of all, how your parents raised you. You know, if they, if they tell you, hey, forget about the meaning, just go after what you want, you know? You know, so it's a matter of, you know, education, it's a matter of a rearing, child rearing, it's a matter of intelligence, you know? But in the end, there's a lot of kids, there are a lot of adolescents that are mature, and they're not smart. It's interesting. And then there are a lot of smart people that are immature. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so on. So it's very hard to know... What is the, the, the that which what is that which really determines a person's level or degree of bikush? People can have a choice. Yeah. But the bikush, as long as you want to understand what is meaningful, what is real, and I want to live that way, right? Then somehow Rashim knows you'll make it. Because eventually, like complexity, you move out, and all of a sudden you take a look. Uh, it, it's, what's going on? It's incredible, you know. <coughs> they, they say the brain, for instance, you know, and this I read a long time ago, you know. Uh, the brain is an organ <coughs> that replicates. Imagine if there were 18,000 planets. 18,000 planets. And each planet had 4 billion people. The brain can administrate all of it. That's what we're dealing about, the human brain. You know? It's beyond belief. 
imagine an administrator that can <coughs> administer, you know, control uh, 18,000 worlds or planets, each one of them inhabited by 4 billion people. I mean, like, how, who's this guy? You know what I'm saying? But alone, without any assistance. Not bad. You know? And that's what the brain does. How? Who made the brain? See? So we have an advantage, you know. You know, it, it, and the truth is, even, even without Bikush, as a guy walking around this world blind, you know, it's incredible. It takes koyach to blind yourself. It, it takes, you know, you really have to be obstinate, you know, to blind yourself. It's so obvious, you know. All you have to do is pick up a textbook, a biology, or, or botany, or, or anything, you know. Or, you know, even put a, pick up a textbook of electronics. You know what I'm saying? And you realize, well, the brain is infinitely more complex than an iPod. You know? And everybody's going crazy because man made an iPod. You know? Or a computer. Yet the brain laughs at this. Or the stomach. Or any of the, cir the circulatory system is beyond belief. You know what I'm saying? You know, every single organ in the body is beyond belief. Who ever heard of a pump that can pump, pump millions of times, never breaks down, repairs itself, doesn't have to call a repairman, you know, doesn't have to dial a call. It eats, it repairs itself, never breaks down, we hope, right? And it pumps for 9,500 years. What is this? The heart. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so I, so, so the Bikush, if there's Bikush, and the person is able to control the shaykhat, which is the self-interest, all the pleasures and so on and so forth, he will arrive at the truth. He will arrive at the truth. So in the end, what I feel is sit down one day and say, listen, the greatest thing I can do is, is to search, to seek. And uh, to seek what? To seek what is really real. Uh, meaning. Meaning is the concept of value. <coughs> Meaningful is the concept of value. And that's the greatest of all things. See, if you do that, if you have the concept of bikush, right? And the concept of knowing reality, and the concept of wanting to conform reality, that's the eternal, ultimately. And these are the drives of the neshama. This is the, the, the uh, inherent drives of the neshama. That's what it is. But on the other side, the drives of the body is the shulchat mechanism. Very important. It's a mechanism of shulchat. It's what gives us the comfort. Because we don't really want to know the truth. We really just want to fulfill the problem needs. But does it affect our, our desire to conform? What? It, uh, reality, the, the, the shulchat. Or it affects our vision of reality. Probably it, it, well, it affects it. it, it Shurchad will blind us on everything. It will blind us, ah, it's not so complex. Or even if it is, so what? I mean, it, 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 you know, no, whatever no, it takes to disturb. No, but people usually people distort realities. They still want to conform with reality. They see it. They are not comfortable to really to, to, not to conform to reality. They're uncomfortable for sure. So what will they do? They want to distort reality. Which is called what? Remember last week I said what it's called? It's called the defense mechanism. The mm -hmm. rationalize. All the mission want to rationalize. He distorted reality. He's an accident. It's your fault, not mine. 
you know. But I'm sure they don't. Uh, the, the, the desire to conform with reality—it's not. It's never broken. They always want to conform with reality. They just want to. They want the reality the way it is. Yeah. Well, they will create their own reality. <coughs> That's right. the problem. You know, some of the Then, yes, 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 the second has created out that teacher's an idiot. You see, it, it, it goes hand in hand, right? That's uh, kind of created at the same time. But it's always shaykhat. That's what's doing it. It's a, right. it's a desire to be blind. Mm-hmm. I one time told you last week, you know, the, with the Torah is incredible. What it says, right? Even if you're a chacham, uh-uh, you're going to be what? Blind. And are you a tzaddik? Don't make a difference. The salad divit tzaddikum. You know, and if they can't make it, the tzaddik and the chokham, forget about us. You know, because the Torah has an interest, you know, the Torah's definition of a tzaddik and a chokham, we're way, you know, a long way off from that and so on, you know. And I, they also, self-interest is an unbelievable, powerful distorter of truth. We, we live with this all day long. We deny, we constantly deny, and we, we constantly fabricate a new reality, you know, and so on. But the koyach of the neshama to know reality, to want to know, to conform to reality, is our, is, is, that's the ally that we have to rely on, you know? And, uh, like I say, if you ask yourself, what is meaningful, and whatever is meaningful, I will do search, seek. The seeker is the greatest act of man. Because eventually the Muslim knows that if you seek, as it say, seek, and you shall find. What? Yeah, that's right. Seek, and you will find the Rajdam. Why? Because you come to the conclusion, like I said, there has to be a Supreme Being, Avraham Avino. You know, any, you know, any, you know I, we can't know how to explain this complexity. And not only that, it's not just the complexity of the, of the, the structures and so on. It's also that the, the concept of design. Not, you know, for instance, if I had a rock, so I could say, well, a rock is designed perfectly to be a paperweight. So I found a purpose, but I would never say it was designed for that, you know. So you don't mind here several ideas. It's not just the complexity, but the, these things actually have a, a design that can accomplish a, a, an effect, you see. And when you look around, everything seems to have a design. Everything seems to have an effect. The question is, you know, who did that? You know, complexity is one thing, but to be complex and be able to accomplish an effect, you know what I'm saying? That's unbelievable. <coughs> you know, I mean, when you look at the, you know, one of the, there's interesting books on this. You look at the animal kingdom, it's beyond belief, the animal kingdom, or the fish. The way a fish is designed to protect itself, it's just incredible, you know. You know, there are fish that can change. It's a beyond belief. There are fish that can change their colors. You know, and then fish that are poisonous. And it's just, you know, it's like a leech. You ever seen a leech? I use leeches these days, you know. I'll take a mosquito, you know. And you just swap and it's dead. But you've just killed an unbelievable machinery. Why? Because what does a mosquito do? 
I mean, you know, it's a whole, you know, he inserts his proboscis, that's what it's called, you know, right into your skin, right? And he's going to suck your blood, because that's what he does, right? He needs nutrients, right? But wait a minute, you know, that blood's going to clot. So the, the mosquito has a chemical that will, it's an anti-clotting, you know? Well, how do, how do the mosquito get, how did it know that it, how did it make this chemical, you know? Did it take, it, does it have a PhD in chemistry? Is that what it did? Did it order it from a lab? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and there's all kinds of things. It's anti-clot and, <coughs> and the fact that it can pull it out. And then, oh, besides that, when it sticks its thing in, right, you, you should give a startle. So it has also what's called an, an, an what do you call it? Um, anesthesia. Anesthesia. It's got, you know, it's got, it's come, yeah, it's got, it's like a doctor comes with his whole kit. This guy comes with his whole kit. Pierces your skin. You don't feel it because it has a um, anesthetic, never right? He never finished the medical school, really. And then went to medical school, you know, and then all of a sudden to make sure the blood doesn't yeah. coagulate as an anti-clock. It's unbelievable. We get this stuff. This is nothing compared to the animal kingdom. You study any single creature, it's beyond belief what these things can do, how they survive. You know, we, we don't, and we don't know, you know, but today there are books in this thing, you can read that. You know, so anybody who has his eyes and his ears and his brain open, is what is this? It's impossible. Bikush. If you develop the concept of Bikush, which is the Yetzitoyv, but like I said, the Yetzitoyv is not only the ability to know reality, it's a desire to conform to reality. It's a combination of these two things. A combination, yeah. Well, yeah, conform to what? So you have to know what reality is. You have to want to conform, and that is the concept of the a drive. That is the concept of a drive uh, of the machine. So Bikish well, <laughs> no, that, that's not that's not the no no no. It's a good question, tricky question. It's a tricky question. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we gotta place this in its proper context, right? Yaakov Avinu, I mean, unbelievable mavakish. But bikesh to the shadows of him. Yaakov Avinu was a bikesh. So what does it mean he wasn't mavakish? You know, and, you know, rugs are basically so, you know. Because here's the thing. The job is to search, seek reality, right, to know, and then the job is to conform to reality. Yeah. Fine, okay. But what happens if you feel you've done it? You've accomplished the task. Well, Yaakov Avinu he did it. What did he do? He is an unbelievable idea. He has 12 shvatim. He brought the Jews into this. He really did it. He accomplished the reality and the, the desire to conform. So he felt he had accomplished his task. That was the mistake. You never finished. You never finished. You know that that was his mistake. You know, you know, don't think that you finished the job of bikush, or that it's not necessary anymore to mavakesh and uh, to look for reality to accommodate. You still have a long way to go. You know what I'm saying? Like Bumanshim said, you know, the only time your job is over when you're in the grave, and you know your job's over, finished. You know, until then. There's work to do, and that's it. So, you know, I, whatever. Can't go into Yaakov is Yaakov, but clearly you see the, you know, Bikesh, the Shava, and the Bansha said, no way. So the question is, what was in Yaakov Avinu's mind? And the answer is, he had done what he thought was necessary, and he accomplished it, and that's it. What else is there to do? That doesn't mean Yaakov Avinu would have gone on a vacation. 
you know, what he would have done is, uh, you know, learn all their, whatever his shalva was, you know, obviously it's not the same as our shalva, you know, and so on, you know. Completely opposite from what happened afterwards. Well, it's right. It's a major overhaul of his piece, you know, toward the death of, the death of Yusuf, you know. So, you know, the whole, uh, it's not just the death of Yosef, because with, with Yosef's death, what meant that meant also that he failed to do the job, because you need 12 shvatim. And Rachel wasn't around, and Leah, obviously, I don't think Leah was around either, or whatever, you know. So that means you, you, you didn't do the job. You didn't bring 12 shvatim in Klanisman. So he thought, that's what he said, like, uh, he's going to, he's in and it's finished. Yaakov either thought he was going to get him, or, or he never just never did the job. You know? And that must have cost him unbelievable uh, depression. Must never, and the proof of that is the Shrine left him for 22 years. That's yeah, proof, you know. But anyway, that's so we have now a hand on what the Eitzahar is, what the Eitzahar is, and what is the conflict. We're in exact with the conflict. The conflict is on one side, Bikush, to search for truth, reality, one. Two, to want to accommodate or to conform to that reality is two. And among the major ideas in that search is meaning, three. That's one side. On the other side, and that's, those are derived from the Neshama. On the other side, you have the physical urges and so on, and that presents the concept of the ability, the concept of self-interest. So, once you have self-interest on one side, which is the material, the physical, and you have reality on the other, you are in a tremendous conflict. So the way your person solves that is called a defense mechanism, where you deny reality and you create a new one in order to accommodate your lie, that you just lie to yourself, which is called self-deception. We practice, we are experts in self-deception. We, we, uh, we practice this all day long. We self-deceive ourselves all day long. And the self-deception is the shekha. So I think we have an interesting handle on what's going on. What the two drives are, right? And what exactly is the conflict here? And in a certain sense, how to overcome. You have to machazik yourself every day by saying, no, no. Whatever reality says, that's the truth. And therefore, I have to accommodate that. And not be blinded by my self-interest. And therefore, shekha and self-deception and so on. You know, it's like the old story, you know, where you tell a guy the truth and he doesn't want to hear that. So he tells you back, excuse me, don't confuse me with the facts. Don't confuse me with the facts. You know, I had enough time lying to myself. You know, probably make it hard for me to lie to myself. Don't do that. It's not right. It's not nice. You see. And that's basically understanding. And one comes from the neshama. And the other comes from the physical urges, which in many ways is the HR. It comes from the HR. Yeah. So again, it comes to, I mean, it comes loss of love. The what? Yes, the HR comes in, he puts all his chaybis on the scale. Yeah. The one who's putting all his chusim on the scale is his own neshama. Yeah, well, yeah. Your own neshama is coming Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not another malach of it. No. The Yetzir the, the is the neshama. Why is, why, why is that? Because think about it, that makes sense. You don't need a Yitzhah You already have one. You're Neshama. What do you need a Yitzhah for? What do you need a Malach tell you to do good? Your essence tells you to do good. But what you do need is a Yitzhah because that's the physical body. 
Did yourself also? What? Physical body is yourself. Too. No, not really. No. no, no. You're made of two parts. No, that's a, that's yes. Tigers. Yeah, but your your essential identity is that push to be Your your your. It's not. It's not a mouth. What? It's not. It's it's. Well, the manifestation <laughs> is the urge of the soul. I mean, you know? the, the person was made of two different parts. You know, so yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. It's a composite. A person is a composite. But the, the question is, of these two composites, which is really the essential thing, and the proof that we will be a neshama in Oyama is obviously the neshama. And therefore the body will be subject to dematerialization. There is a, a mouth also. Where? There, may be, there may be a... A ruach hatama also, which entices a person to sin. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the origin. That in addition to the body, there's something. Yes, yeah, the that's origin of that is the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The so somebody says there's two different areas. There's one the bodily urges, and then there's also a mouth. So yeah, you know, you, you know, see, what's interesting is you see this. You know, where Adamushin, he's going to talk about Adamushin, right? Adamushin, he didn't have Yitzhara. The Eitzahar was the Nachash, but the Nachash was outside his body. Uh, so the, the, the interesting is that he, he, if he didn't have the Eitzahar, what was the what was the Nachash addressing? You know, if I don't have a title for this, then you know, if, for instance, if I sit there and say, I want, I'm going to convince you to eat wood. I mean, wood is delicious. It's nutritional because that's carbohydrates. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, carbohydrates means that you get all the sugar you want. You know, I mean, are you going to think about it? Say, are you crazy? You don't have a tie to eat wood, right? So why would I convince you? Or how would I convince you to eat wood? So the question is, when the Yetzirah convinced Chavo, but she had no Yetzirah inside, but then what was he addressing? That's the question. If Chava had no inclination whatsoever to sin, then what was the Chonochish addressing? You know, so what, in what way was he enticing her if she didn't have any drives? You see, what, what was he addressing himself to? And then from Chavar Oda. And the answer to that is, there was one thing he had. He was addressing the Yisrael. It was Tegomara. He gave her a whole drasha. No, that wasn't, yeah, no, no. He said he used to call him Oh, the ego. I want to be God. That's what he was addressing. It wasn't the Rikun uh, itself. He said, listen, and, and Otto Mauritian had that design. The ego is where did it fit into your model of Mavakish and, and uh, self-interests? Where did the ego fit in? You know, again, that desire to be gone, the ego, the to be, was the self-interest. The self-interest. The, and the, 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 the self-interest. Yeah, because other than that, what's a self addressing itself to the Nochash? What generates the self-interest? Oh. So that's an interesting concept. What did generate that self-interest? To be God, or to, to, um, to be somebody, you know? Which means, of course, to be God, but to, to be somebody at war, you know? So that's the question. What is the origin of the ego, you know? So what I would say... Not the goof, for sure. What? Not the goof. It's not the goof, no. There's no body, it's not the body saying to be somebody, you know? <coughs> What I would say is interesting, you know, I, and this is my idea, you know, I haven't found anything, is that when you take an ishama and put it into a body, you know, all of a sudden it has tremendous anxiety. It's called an existential anxiety, because it's separate from the body. 
therefore all sudden it has to reassert that that it is it, it exists so what I would say is that the desire reality all that stuff is the neshama but then the fact that it was connected in, to the to the uh, physical body created an incredible existential anxiety from the neshama itself so in a certain sense the neshama was fighting itself you know there's a fear that I'm zero you know if you're, if you're next to the Rabbanishlam you feel totally alive if all of a sudden they <coughs> throw you into some dark foreboding place you know what do you feel? you feel you're going to go under because you're disconnected from Chius when you're disconnected from God a person who was connected from God, which is the neshama, before it entered the body, right? It's totally alive, totally, uh, you know, totally secure. It has total self-worth. But if all of a sudden the person takes that and forces it into the body, right? You know, it's like taking a, a bright lamp and putting it into a cover. You know what I'm saying? Automatically, the neshama itself will generate an unbelievable spiritual anxiety because it's a, you know when all of a sudden it feels it doesn't exist so therefore if something feels it doesn't exist what must it do it has to reassert or take actions which will convince it or make it feel that it does exist you see so the way I see it is that the neshama itself had a conflict on one side and the bikush and so on on the other side and, you know, because it didn't come from the Yitzhah horror, so to speak, because the Yitzhah was outside his body. So, like I said, what was he addressing? So, what I'm saying is that the Nishama itself, because it was inserted in the physical body, had this what's called existential anxiety, that it isn't. So the tools therefore, the, it needs to reassert its being. It's all straight, that How could it not feel that? Well, it, that's true, but... Clear. That's true. But it still had the feeling of loss. It wasn't what it used to feel. You know, look, you take a prince, you take a king, you know, king, who's a king of, you know, he's got everything going. And all of a sudden, you know, the king, uh, you know, gets kidnapped and so on. And all of a sudden, he's thrown to prison. <coughs> that guy's going to feel a whole different way than what he felt when he was king. Same thing, the Shema was connected to God. And all of a sudden, it finds itself in a lonely, dark, prison called the body what's the neshama gonna feel hey i gotta get out of here all of a sudden it questions its own ability to survive its ability to exist because well, look at the difference and so on you know so, so, so in a certain sense which is interesting the neshama itself created the need and the sultan knew that so that's who he talked to so the sultan has two has two tools to use anyway for, for, to i'm doesn't say that that's my own Kiddush. It's coming out that the Yitzharavi adoration was not between the, the neshama and the guf, but the guf enabled the neshama to have its own nisayin between right. in, within itself. The guf, yeah, 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 yeah. In that sense, yes. So I mean, you have to understand why do you need. It wasn't the guf; it was the situation of the neshama losing its previous status, and that created an incredible anxiety of existence. Who am I? What am I? Am I anything? Self-worth, whatever, and so on. And that was the need that the Nochash addressed itself to. So yes. It's a whole different, you know. And then once that happened, then the Nishama, then the Nochash entered Adam Nishan's growth. Then the whole thing started. 
you know, as Zoyama, that's what, you know, that's all concept of, you know, then all of a sudden, Mida connected Mida, you believe the Sutton, you know, then all of a sudden, you will be now connected to the guy, and therefore his connection is that he's able to insert you Zoyama, and so on, and, uh, and, and that's it, that starts the whole ball rolling. But that's the interesting question. What was it before? I, I, I've never saw, seen anybody that even deals with this question, really. What was he addressing himself to? So the Satan has, anyway. has really has two forms of tools to use. He has, from the Shaman's anxiety, and he has the physical body. The drives of the body to, to mm-hmm. use. To okay, that's it. it. What? He has the drives of the body and the Shaman's anxiety to drive you to sin. No, that's in the Shama's anxiety. I don't know what the Satan But the Satan used that. He used that. Yeah. Well, the Nachash used that. You, you say it doesn't apply nowadays, such a... Such a no, today we have time, but we don't need that. Well, it, it does. Oh, actually, actually, it, 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 it does. That's another shear. The difference between psychological anxiety and existential anxiety. Odom had existential anxiety, but not psychological anxiety. So, 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 so,